This is Smarter Cars, a podcast about autonomous vehicles. This is the finish line. The Stanford Racing Team has made its way into the history books. But the most important thing for me is, uh, if it doesn't matter who comes first, it matters that we as a, as a community achieve it. Early in a technology, um, a, a thousand flowers should bloom. Welcome to Smarter Cars. This is your host, Michelle Kairouz. In this episode, we talk with Taryn Ziai. He's a co-founder and director of AI at Voyage, which is making autonomous taxis. Taryn previously worked at Apple. He has a degree in electrical engineering from George Washington University and a master's in neuroscience from George Mason University. Taryn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so you are co-founder and director of AI at Voyage. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you very much, Michelle. Um, yeah, so at Voyage here, we're, we're actually um, uh, trying to pioneer making the best robotic uh, taxis ever. Um, this is, of course, in the self-driving car space. Um, and, uh, you know, while we can't, you know, exactly say... Uh, you know, give too many details as far as like where we are right now, but we can say that we have deployed in California, um, and uh, you know that's our mission to bring to bring about the onset of free uh, free robotic taxi rides. So great, and um, so you guys are taking uh, existing vehicles from an OEM, and you're creating a technology layer on top of that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. We're not we're not building a car in a sense. You know, we're not we're not going to you know. Uh, reinvent that particular wheel, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's, you know, we're, you know, we're definitely trying to make sure or, or uh, uh, use as much of the ecosystem as there is. And, you know, one big part of the ecosystem is, is that there are cars out there that you can have a drive by wire kit attached to, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, we're not trying to make new hardware in that sense or uh, new sensors or something like that. I think there are a lot, there are a lot of very interesting companies out there that do that. Um, we'd be more than happy to start utilizing new sensors and new new types of hardware as they come online. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but but we're not we're not uh, you know we're not playing that that particular game no. And so you're going to offer mobility as a service basically, and uh, be the distribution platform where you're actually providing uh, service directly to the customer. That's right. That's right. Okay, great. And um, w- w- tell us about your role at Voyage and how you're uh, building out your team. Sure. Sure. Sure, sure, Michelle. Yeah, so we um, we just started recently. Um, we're actually uh, a spin-off from Udacity. Um, we have a lot of DNA here. We have uh, we have some people from Google. We have some people from Apple, including myself, uh, from people from um, from Waymo. Um, we're trying to keep it lean and mean at the moment. Um, me, me, like right now over here, I'm the director of AI and algorithms. Um, I'm also a co-founder. Um, so I'm leading basically our efforts for all of autonomy and all the algorithms that go there. Um, we have a fantastic team over here. I could not ask for, for like, for like anyone different as far as that goes. Um, and uh, yeah, that's 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 basically what we're what we're trying to do now. Um, at this particular point in time, we're looking actively for people involved in motion planning. Great. Um, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like that's kind of like where we are at this point of the recording, but. Um, yeah, this is definitely a very exciting time uh, to be involved in this space. Yeah, very exciting. So uh, let's talk a little bit more broadly. Um, 
and help us understand some of the remaining engineering challenges for autonomous vehicles. And, you know, I guess what we'll talk about today is really getting to level four uh, or, you know, hopefully someday level five mm -hmm. uh, with a truly autonomous vehicle rather than yeah. uh, some of the in-between uh, phases like uh, assisted driving. Um, mm -hmm. Can you help us understand what the different pieces are of the software that uh, you need to develop to have an autonomous vehicle? Sure, Michelle, sure. Yeah, so it's actually very interesting. I mean, so traditionally in self-driving, right? Um, and I say traditionally in the very, uh, very uh, <laughs> contorted use of the word, right? And it's a very new field, obviously, you know. Um, it's... Um, you know, self-driving right now, it's a very multidisciplinary field, right? So, you know, it pulls in a lot of technologies and science from, you know, controls and, you know, perception and localization, mapping, you know, motion planning, things like that, right? So these are kind of like our, the traditional buckets, if you like, of how things fall within the self-driving paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that is not to say that this is the correct way to do it. You know, it's, it's you know, a way to do it in a sense, certainly, right? Uh, to localize yourself, to have a map that you can localize to, then you can then you can you know do some background subtraction maybe, then you can go and you can track objects, and then you can go do motion. You know, like that is a way to do it. Um, but the field is still, I would say, you know, not that developed. It's still not that mature. We're taking a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, how do you say inertia coming from you know the, the say computer vision community, the DARPA community, you know. Uh, past upper challenges, things like that. So there's a lot of inheritance of, of like a lot of these techniques. Um, and people, you know, people have kind of like, you know, cobbled them together and tried to make them work and things like that. Um, I think there's a lot of space for improvement there, right? right? We don't know exactly what the correct architecture is. And I say we as like the community, right? We don't exactly know that. I think that's kind of like the holy grail, right? Is like what, you know, what... What architecture do you actually need in order to make this work, right? So um, that's one thing that I kind of see um, happen in in almost a lot of self-driving, uh, you know, companies, right? Is that you know they've 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 sort of they've sort of uh, 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 taken some architecture from somewhere um, and they you know and they try to make it work in that sense, right? Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways in which we can imagine putting together a self-driving car. I don't think that we as a community have discovered the optimal way just yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah. there's definitely a lot of work to be done there. That's a really interesting point that, you know, the way it's been thought about in the past isn't necessarily the way it's going to yeah. end up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Because, you know, you have like, you know, you have like a field like controls that's very mature, right? It's, it's been very active since the fifties and sixties, you know, you, you have like localization that, um, you know, from the turn of like this past century, I think has become quite mature. Mapping, same thing, right? Um, perception, though, is something that's really new still. You know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of new waves happen perception almost every day. That's usually synonymous with the deep learning revolution as well, right? That kind of took mm -hmm. off, uh, you know, 2012 right. uh, with Alex Neff and things like that. So, you know, so, you know, different, these different buckets are kind of, you know, have different levels of maturity. Um, that uh, and 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 you know we, we we tend to kind of try to put them together in a sense to make something work right. Right. Um, but uh, I don't think I mean to my knowledge at least I don't think anyone has sort of you know sat down and said hey you know what you know how should we actually do this for a product in a sense right how should these pieces actually fit in together right, right. Um, do we need mapping why do you need mapping 
something? Why do you need to localize? Uh, uh, you know, is that something that uh, is something that, that we can actually do away with? Um, what level of perception do you need, right? What level of perception do you not need, right? Um, you know, so so there 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 are all these little details there that I think tend to be lost at, uh, on 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 like a lot of people at large, um, especially in the zeal to field something, right? Right. Um, but I think that in order for us to make a good product, we have to really kind of go back to basics and say, okay, you know, how should we make or what does a self-driving car actually need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where are you deploying it? That matters in a sense, right? Um, what can I kind of get away with in that sense, right? Do you need to solve AI to make self-driving? Probably not, right? <laughs> you could do self-driving if you solved AI, right? But you probably don't need you know, to solve AI to do self-driving, right? <laughs> so that's where it gets really interesting. Uh, what, is that, what does that threshold look like? And I think that's, you know, knowing that, uh, having that, uh, that maybe discipline and hygiene to kind of go and try to figure that out, I think will take us a long way. Right. So what do you think is, is working well and where do you think the most uh, progress needs to be made kind of mm-hmm. along that continuum and across those, those buckets, as you point out, whether you think of them in, in individual components or not, mm-hmm. what, what are the areas where you think the most work is needed or some new approach might be needed to, to make progress toward uh, successful autonomy? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I mean, um, so, you know, the, the, the story, Michelle, kind of starts at the sensor level, right? You know, so, you know, the, 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 the very first question is, okay, you want to make a product, right, uh, for autonomous driving, right? What sensors do we need in a sense, right? Um, very naturally, it's easy to say, oh, hey, we need cameras, right? Because cameras are, you know, give us the analog to what we see in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that if you just kind of do cameras, you kind of, you know, almost have to solve AI in a sense, because, you know, to, to, to make sense, to infer everything about the world that's relevant to you as far as you, move, you know, moving through it, you know. Mm-hmm. So immediately then you say, okay, well, maybe there's another sensor that can help me there. Maybe there's a sensor that gives you depth, like a LiDAR, right? LiDAR is actually really good at giving you, you know, some semblance of, of a dense depth map in a sense, right? So automatically that variable is not something that you have to infer anymore, Right. Um, for, from like a bunch of images, you could infer depth, and there there are many techniques for you to be able to do this. There's stereo techniques, there's the techniques of deep learning, things like that. Right. Um, but you know that that may not be the the you know proper way to do that if you have a sensor that's already going to give you that for free. Is that, you see what I'm saying? So so so, so yeah. So it kind of starts. Sorry. So it kind of starts at at the sensor level in a sense, right? Like what what sensors do we have access to? Uh, uh, that 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 say provides some some measurement of the scene that that's that's uh, that's like important in a sense, right? Um, so, so having more sensors in 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 different uh, ways allows you to constrain the AI problem to make it m- more manageable. You could say, yeah, you, exactly. I mean, you know, the way I would say it is, yeah, you know, having you know, being smart about, for example, what type of sensors we have. Uh, let's just constrain the algorithms, if you like, right? The algorithms, um, so that we we need not infer something that we can actually measure, right? And depth is a very good example of that, right? Like, if you can measure depth as far as like you know the range of something, right? Why would you ever infer that from a series of images? You see what I'm saying? Right. And so you know, some now, okay, some arguments can be made of the fact that, well, what if your sensor fails? 
like for example in rain how is your lighter going to act okay that's one thing um what if it's too expensive right that's another thing you know but like fundamentally you know fundamentally we have to ask ourselves okay what sensors are we going to be using because that really colors the algorithms and therefore the ai techniques that you're going to do you know end up using right um if you're if you're relegated to just images with a camera if you force yourself to just use a camera and images then you have a lot of work to do right you kind of then you know that kind of pushes you a lot towards you kind of have to make huge strides in understanding the world in ai at large uh, estimating depth of you know having some representation of that right if you kind of say okay i'm not going to go down that route if you have a sensor that gives you depth all of a sudden you might have bypassed a lot of that hard work right at the cost of maybe it's a very expensive sensor and maybe it doesn't work in rain and things like that Right. But, you know, you kind of have the shortcut all of a sudden say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to infer depth. I have that. What can I do now? Right. right. So that, you know, there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of detail at play here. I mean, you just, you know, just, just even like your starting point is really <laughs> critical to where that takes you in a sense, you know. Um, so if you have LIDAR and radar and cameras, um, are there any other sensors I'm missing there? Or are those basically your inputs? No, I think, I think, I think, you know, I think traditionally those are kind of inputs, you know, some people also use ultrasounds uh, to give you an active measurement of distance as well, you know, so, so I think it's also there, you know, so, you know, it, it really comes down to, you know, there's, there's like two types of ways to sense the world, right? Passive sensors, active sensors, right? So a passive sensor is something like a camera that just takes in light, right? With an optical spectrum and it makes this image. Um, an active sensor is something like a LIDAR, like a radar, like a sonar that, will actually send some signal out into the world, get those reflections back, and then try to make sense of it, in a sense, right? Um, different sensors, of course, will work on different physical principles, right? So with radar, for example, you could you could measure velocities or radial velocities, if you like. Uh, LiDAR, you can't so much do that just yet. Um, sonar can also give you something like that, you know? So, you know, there, there, there's, there's, different, there's different ways of measuring things in the world uh, based on what sensor you have, right? Um, I do have to say that, you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, kind of like pulling back a little bit. If you zoom out a little bit, um, we've kind of been at the mercy of the ecosystem uh, right now because, you know, if you look at, like, for example, LiDAR or Radar, who are those coming from? Those are coming from kind of established companies, you know, Delphi, for example, uh, Velodyne, mm-hmm. people like that who have kind of developed these within the the driverless or uh, um, excuse me, the driver assistance paradigm, right? right? So they kind of make this one unit and they integrate it and they go to an OIM and, and then there you have it, right? So um, that's kind of the first constraint is that we're kind of dealing with sensors that were made with a specific purpose in mind, right? You might not get visibility into exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it, things like that. Um, because of that, a lot of people will gravitate to cameras because, you know, a camera is a much simpler device in that sense, but also because... Um, it's easy to associate computer vision with self-driving cars with AI. You know, whenever someone hears one of the one of those three things, <laughs> they think of the other two. You know, it's kind of like this natural association in people's mind, right? So, um, uh, there, there, you know, there, there's there's a lot of this kind of association in people's minds, and people then think, okay, with a camera, what can I do? And they kind of start there. And they start looking at all these deep learning algorithms uh, to process camera images, and that's great. But, you know, in the zeal of doing that, you might lose some really important granularity on 
hey, was this actually the right approach for a product? You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's that's kind of the the risk there, right? You 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 kind of just step back and say, okay, you know, in order to make a self driving car do X, Y, and Z um, in situation A, B, C uh, for a product that's viable, what sensors do I need? And that will kind of dictate what algorithms you can bring to bear, and that will dictate whether or not you can you know you can actually make make this happen, you know. Um, and with all yeah, yeah. of those sensors, um, how are you looking at then the algorithms, you know, w- w- for, for these various tasks that the car faces? How are you looking at these buckets in terms of where do you apply the deep learning and, and mm-hmm. how do you how do you mix together <clears throat> these these techniques? Different buckets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. So deep learning, Michelle. You know, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is definitely a very powerful technique. It's um, it's a very powerful. You know, it, it is basically like the most powerful pattern recognition technique that we know of at the moment, right? Deep learning, right? So it's basically saying, hey, you know what? I want to uh, essentially learn this this hierarchical decomposition of the world. Uh, I'm going to learn the specific features of different layers, of different uh, different levels of the hierarchy. I want to put them together in a certain way, and it's going to give you some answer, right? Very very powerful. Um, I think what we need, though, is to know um, where you might need to use this in an architecture, right? So going back to the fact of, um, you know, do not, you know, do not infer that which you can measure. Let's say this is the first, this is the first maxim, let's say, right? Right. If, you know, if you have that, if you have that at the back of our mind, right, then we can say, hey, you know what? If I already have depth, um, I should not try to finesse that from an image, Right. Um, there might be some cases where we need to do that, sure, but at first glance, I probably shouldn't do that. You know, I already have a sensor to do that, right? Second thing is that, um, uh, and this is something that I, that I think is, is quite endemic, is that you don't need to classify the world in order to not bump into it. Okay. Explain, you know, explain, you know, yeah, explain that you know, for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so, so, so if, I, you know, if, I put you, if I put you on a strange planet like right now, right? You might not know what things around you are. You might have some weird alien plants and weird, uh, weird looking, you know, rocks or something or some terrain or some weird objects, right? You don't know what, what they are. If I say, hey, Michelle, what is that? You say, I have no idea. It's some weird purple thing out there, right? You know, that you've never seen before, right? But, but uh, you would know to avoid it. You know, you, you, you would know how to navigate your way around that, right? If it started moving you would know how to get out of its way, for example, right? So what's going on here is that, is that you, never, you never need to classify, right, as a human. I can avoid things in the scene without me knowing what they are, right? It's nice to know what they are. It's useful. But fundamentally, I don't need to know what something is in order to avoid it. You see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, I come across stuff. Yeah, if you go hiking, right, you, you, you'll come across things that you might not recognize what they are. But you know where they are. You know that it occupies a certain amount of space vis-a-vis you. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because you have a good spatial-temporal reasoning, you know that you should, this is what you should do to avoid bumping into it, right? So this is the first thing. This is, this, this is where it's important to have some, you know, how should we say, uh, you know, uh, say algorithm hygiene, right? Is a sense of, before I even need to classify anything, what we really need to do is learn about um, how the world um, evolves in a temporal aspect. Uh, you know, what is, what is a, you know, how do we do spatial temporal reasoning on the world, right? 
-hmm. After that, it's useful to know, oh yeah, this is a piece of grass, this is this is a car, this is a person, this is a cat, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't, but I don't need that to avoid them. <laughs> you know, what I what I really need is a way for the machine to understand spatial temporal reasoning, which is just a fancy way of saying it should know about how the world evolves over time such that it doesn't bump into stuff due to its own motion mm -hmm. and vice versa, right? That is one, one, uh, one of the, I would say, very important subtleties and, um, uh, yeah, one of the you know, very important subtleties that um, we should be very, very well aware of. People would be very, very um, uh, smart if they're aware of that, basically, right? And they use that to guide their algorithm design. What about prediction? What about this idea mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, sometimes I think you want to know what the object is because you're trying to predict what's going to happen next and mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. it is going to go, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how do you feel about that? And, and Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, so so it's like this, right? The, the whole thing looks like an onion, right? I mean, you know, fundamentally, right? Fundamentally, you don't know, you know, you, you don't need to know what things are to, let's say, not bump into them, right, fundamentally. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly helps, though, right, certainly helps to say, hey, you know what, this is actually an elephant, right? <laughs> and because it's an elephant, it's going to act in a certain way, because that's, that's what elephants do, or, you know, this is, what, this is what elephants are capable of doing, not capable of doing, right? And that, in, and, and, and I mean, absolutely, that helps you predict, you know, where they're going to be over time vis-a-vis -vis you, right? So, so, so classification, definitely helps you predict the world in a spatial temporal way, but you should not depend on that. You see what I'm saying? You know, there's, there's a little subtlety there, right? Is that it can certainly help making your, you know, make your predictions better, but you don't, but you, but you don't need, and neither should you depend on that, right? Fundamentally in order to understand how the world evolves over time so that you can predict, you know, um, this is where, you know, this is where it's, this is a very important, I think, subtlety to point out. Absolutely. Yeah. So using your uh, sort of more restrained view of uh, of the software, how do you how do you see what comes next in terms of, you know, are there going to be additional breakthroughs? Do we need additional breakthroughs uh, in the technology in order to get to a level of comfort where we can deploy autonomous vehicles mm -hmm. or can we take the existing technology and algorithms and things we have today uh -huh. and just improve them by additional data sets and miles driven and simulations? Right, or right. Is there kind of a fundamental breakthrough we still need? You know, people talk about unsupervised learning and, uh -huh. and other aspects. How, how do you see it? Sure, sure. That's a, it's actually a very good question, Michelle. So here's where I see it, right? Um, I think I think basically um, there's a couple of things going on here. Number one, it, it depends on the application area. What do I mean by that? In self-driving cars, right? Um, I think are you know it's it's they're going to be fielded and deployed like you know cell phone uh, cell phone towers and cell phone uh, uh, service was kind of deployed in the, in say the 90s, you know, and that it's kind of like patchy spatially in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. You only had service one in one location, then another, then another. And over time, now, you know, 30 years later, we, you know, we, we, we kind of have global coverage in a sense. And even then you have some pockets where you don't have service, right? right. So, that, so, okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is that because of that, right, um, 
you might be able to solve, you know, quote unquote, solve autonomy or autonomous driving for specific places first. Um, and then from there, based on what you learn about the shortcomings and things like that, you could say, oh, okay, you know what? It would be nice if we had a breakthrough here, here, and here. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that would, that's kind of, that's, that's my expectation for how this thing is going to evolve, right? Um, going back to your first question of, you know, do we have everything we kind of need right now? Do autonomous driving, right? Uh, frankly speaking, I don't, I don't think anyone knows just yet mm-hmm. um, because I don't think anyone has really been that hygienic, to be honest. With you. you know, it's, 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 you know, like I said, people have, have kind of just, you know, uh, uh, in their zeal for getting something working, have kind of rushed to put something out there and cobble something together. Um, you know, we kind of have enough tools out there so that you can, you can put stuff together very quickly, make something work as a demo right mm-hmm. but as a solution i think no one's kind of done like their homework in a sense you know uh, to say hey you know what given all these technologies that we have you know what combination of them can we currently leverage to do self-driving in this area right that is kind of like one of the first questions right my my uh my gut feeling here is that we actually do have a lot of techniques um and technologies right now that would allow us to field and deploy as a product self-driving technologies in some areas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as maybe one, you know, if, if you like one sort of uh, thing I would like to have on, on say, the, the wish list is uh, having the machine be able to do this spatio-temporal reasoning, this prediction, mm-hmm. in a sense, to be able to learn it in a very elegant way, in a good way, um, I think is going to be very crucial um, however, even, even with that, uh, I think you can eat, you know, I, I, I think you can, you can kind of get away with, um, again, depending on the scenario, okay, where you deploy, I think you, you can get away with, uh, something more, uh, more traditional in that sense. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I, I have a, that's kind of my feeling of the space in that regard. Right. In the sense of, do we have a lot of technologies out there that are very useful? Absolutely. Do we know the optimal way to combine them? I don't think so. I don't think anyone has done done their homework there just yet. Um, I think that there is going to be a good uh, way to combine them uh, to enable self-driving some scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that if there if there was to be maybe one you know fantastic breakthrough that I would like wish we had like right now, mm-hmm. it would be yeah. Is there a good way for us to teach machines? about spatio-temporal reasoning in the world, right? right. The, the kind of like the physics of the world in a sense, right? Can we, can we teach them the physics of the world? Can we teach them how to predict how the world evolves, uh, you know, kinematically even, right? That I think would be, would be something uh, that would lead to a huge breakthrough in self-driving, yes. That said, I don't think it stops us from deploying self-driving in some scenarios. Right. right. Yeah. So, talking about getting to deployment, um, let's talk for just a minute about safety and this idea of how will we know that the cars are are safe enough to deploy? And you know, I I think when we when we see policy discussions around this, we see you know perhaps uh, talking about an operational design domain and. 
uh, companies needing to sort of certify that for this operational design domain in this area, here's what the car is, you know, the car is good to go. Um, How do you think about the kinds of testing, the amount of miles or the types of testing you would do in order to get comfortable yourself that a car was uh, ready for deployment? Sure, sure. Definitely. So, yeah, that's, and, you know, and people forget this, but yeah, I mean, you know, anyone working on self-driving cars is making machines that have the capacity to kill, yeah. right? You know, so yeah, so it's a very, very important question, obviously, right? So <laughs> <laughs> what I would do, what I would do there, Michelle, is actually, you know, uh, uh, is basically the following. I would, I would essentially decompose the problem, right, into um, uh, where things can fail, right? So for example, the first question I would ask is, hey, when, when, or how often does my sensor fail? Right? What are the failure cases of say, say you're using a lidar, right? Mm-hmm. What are the failure cases of your lidar, right? Um, well, maybe it doesn't reflect off some materials. Okay, that's that, that's one thing. That's a huge thing, right? Um, in what way can the lidar fail? Right? This is a very hardware-esque question in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when and if some when, you know the lidar gets covered by something, you know, temporarily or permanently? Let's say, right? Do you have algorithms that can detect that state in a sense, right? Um, you know, so, you know, it starts again from how you sense the world, right? Um, what is a failure? You know, when do your eyes fail is maybe the first question that we might ask ask of a human, right? When does the eye fail? Well, when the sun's in your face, things like that, right? Mm. Okay. After that, once you have that, I would say, okay, based on the algorithm that I'm doing, and really, it's, it's really dependent on the algorithm that you're kind of doing, right? What are the failure cases of this particular algorithm, Right. Well, I'm taking in pro- you know data like this, and I'm processing it like that. I'm doing this, and I'm assuming this, this, and this. And I'm doing it. That can kind of you know let us uh, you know kick in the tires for that particular algorithm. Knowing how the algorithm is working allows you to kick the tires there, right? Um, you know, you, you you can kind of do some testing over there, right? You can enumerate the failure cases of some particular algorithm given the data that it's going to expect, things like that, right? And you kind of keep doing this, you know, along the chain. Once you have that, and once you've kind of solidified each module in that sense, uh, Michelle, right, then then you can start talking about, okay, global statistics. Like, okay, you know, we're now sure about how the sensor fails. We know, we know, you know, the failure cases. Uh, we know what these algorithms are doing. We know how they're going to fail, how they're not going to fail, things like that. After that, then I think it's just a matter of fielding it and collecting data and, uh, you know, basically doing, uh, you know, basically getting the statistics of how this thing performs in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming, you know, coming up with some acceptable number. And then, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there there is going to be some statistic of failure. Are we as, as a society going to be okay with that? There is some statistic of failure of, for example, of flying, right? right. Uh, we accept that as, as a society. Every time we get on a plane, we say, hey, this thing might just come crashing down. Or at least, you know, this is the expectation, not expectation, of course, but, you know, it's something at the back of, you know, yeah. it's possibility. Same thing when you go to drive. When you go to drive, you say, I might get in a car accident today, right? Um, because of something out of my control. So, you know, there's there's kind of like this, this uh, maybe the question to ask ourselves is, what is the acceptable threshold for, um, uh, uh, you know, safety in autonomous driving? Um, and then you can maybe work your way backwards from there in a sense, right? Uh, but as far as the how would you test that? Yeah, I think it's a matter of, you know, just doing just doing, uh, you know, chain testing like everything else. You know, when does this module fail? When does this module fail in conjunction with other modules? Um, and just going going off that, really. So. 
how, how do you feel about some of these, the end-to-end network approach where, you know, it's really uh, sensor input in and, and driving tasks out and, you know, uh-huh. realizing that no, no, no one's really made this work, you know, at any acceptable level yet. But it, it, if you got to a place where, uh, where that was an approach being considered, uh-huh. what about the black box, kind of the lack of interpretability? You know, how, how uh-huh. do you feel about testing that kind of a system? Like, how would you do that? Sure, sure. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is, this is a very specific, uh, say, question, Michelle, about, yeah, about one particular algorithm, let's say, right? So, you know, saying, hey, here's one algorithm, how would you test it, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like any algorithm, you need tools for you to know what it's doing, right? Uh, what is the internal representation that it's coming up with? Um, why is it coming up with that, right? How can that representation fail? When does it fail, right? So all, all kind of the due diligence you might do for any other algorithm, Comes, comes into play here as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we might not, at, at, you know, at this point in time, know how exactly to probe the inner workings of some hierarchical deep net, you know, uh, that's one thing. That's just, that just tells me that we don't have the tools for that yet, right? And because we don't have the tools for that yet, it might be hard to assess when this thing might fail, when it might not. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing for any other algorithm, right? Mm. And so that would be my first reaction as far as that goes. Now, as far as whether or not this algorithm is useful or useless, I mean that, you know, I, I, I try not to be dogmatic about that. I try to keep an open mind as far as different algorithms. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we just need to have enough, uh, I don't know, maybe maturity or hygiene to say, okay, here's an algorithm, great. Can I probe it? Yes, no. How do I probe it? Do I have the tools to probe it? Um, what are its failure cases? What are its, you know, cases where it doesn't fail? Um, you know, things like that. Uh, once once you kind of have a good feel for that, then you can kind of move on from that. Right? But if I also just give you a black box, any black box, it doesn't. It's not. It's not. You know. It's it's, it's not magical to deep nets. If I just give you any black box, um, you would rightfully so say, well, you know, what is this thing doing exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I probe its its failure cases? How do I do that, right? And so. Uh, you know, there, there, there are two ways for anyone to probe a function or a black box, right? Uh, you, can, you can, via knowing what it's doing, try to predict how to make it fail, right? Or if you don't know what it's doing, you can just do these statistical tests and put it through, through the ringer and sees, okay, see when it fails. But I think we need to have both of these techniques in order to feel comfortable about something as safety critical as self-driving cars, right? Um, and I think the challenge right now with um, some algorithms out there is that we don't necessarily have the, the appropriate tools in order to properly finesse what an algorithm is doing. And it's not a criticism of the algorithm. I think they're very powerful. I just think that the tools haven't caught up just yet. Um, and so once that happens, I think it will be a different question in that sense. Then it becomes a question of, okay, where and how and should I even use this particular algorithm like any other algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's how I would uh, think about that. And everybody loves to uh, play this game, so I have to ask the question because everybody does. Uh, how, when do you think you would oh, expect God. to see? <laughs> see I, I can't not ask it, you know. When would you expect to see in an urban setting autonomous vehicles deployed? Oh, in a, <laughs> 
Oh my God! Oh, yeah, no, no, Michelle. Yeah, you have to ask that question, of course. You know, it wouldn't be an interview without that question, right? Um, right. I know what you're going to tell me. Um, one to twenty years. <laughs> one, yeah, one to two thousand years. Um, no, no, nothing, nothing that 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 large. Um, no, I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is this is actually a very hard question, Michelle. I mean, so, it, you know, and I hate to, you know, give you this answer, but it really just depends. You know, it's it, it really, really just depends, right? Um, from a technology standpoint, okay, from a purely technology standpoint, I think, I think that, um, we will have the technology necessary to deploy some types of self-driving cars in some types of scenarios within a decade. Okay. That's purely from a technology standpoint. Um, if you want to then throw in things like, uh, you know, the legal aspect around that and the safety aspect around that, that might add some more time to that in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. The supporting infrastructure, if we even need that, right? That's going to come into play, you know? So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, you have so many variables there, Michelle. You have the state of sensors, the expense of sensors, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, how quickly can you manufacture them? How much can you manufacture? What is the price point for them? And that's just for the sensors, right? What sensors do you have? What sensors are you at the mercy of, right? That's even before even talking about the algorithms themselves, right? Um, once you've kind of covered that, and, and, and I mean, the, the, the sensor hardware space right now is actually very exciting. There are many, many startups in, the, in like, you know, the LiDAR space. There are a lot of startups right now that are trying to fuse different sensors together, different modalities together at the sensor level, at the hardware level, you know? Um, and you know, that there, could there, make some big changes then. That, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, it's going to be, yeah, huge changes, Michelle. Yeah, huge, humongous changes, right? Um, I mean, just talk about like a LiDAR. If you have a LiDAR that gives you different frame rates, very fast frame rates, you know, update rates, that they, maybe they're throwing RGB with that as well, um, and some other facets. I mean, that's, that's kind of a game changer in that sense, right? Because it, 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 it unlocks the ability to do different scenarios, right? Um, so, so, you know, so, so that's, that's a very liquid uh, phase right now in sensor technology, right? So that's one big variable, right? I mean, we might as well ask, you know, Let's ask ourselves, instead of asking ourselves when we see autonomous cars, let's ask ourselves, what is the state of autonomous sensors or sensors for autonomous cars right now? Right? Yeah. Let's, start, let's start there. I think that's in flux like, like a lot right now. I think that within the next five years, if not more, we're going to see a lot of interesting sensors come online for this purpose, right? Okay, well, if that's the case. That's kind of going, going, you know, going to change the the way that uh, we process data because we have different data and we have, you know, we can access it in a different way now. They're measuring different things together, right? So that opens up new possibilities, right? Um, so this is why I kind of give a large, you know, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, a decade very roughly just because it really just depends on the sensors. It depends on where you're deploying. It depends on the speed at which you're deploying, you know, which the car is moving. Um, there are all these different, you know, depending on the scenario, right? Who you're serving, right? So, I mean, let's just say, let's just say like this, um, I think that there's no going back. You know, you can safely say that, right? right. There's, there's a huge ecosystem right now, um, uh, you know, that has everything from, hey, let's make you a great sensor to, hey, let me label your data to, you know, <laughs> hey, let me do, you know, let me do, you know, so th there's no going back from that. Yeah. Um, we also need to be aware of 
you know, where are we going to deploy? Are you just doing highways? Are you doing cities? Are you doing some other, some other, you know, off road? I don't know. Uh, you know, what, what, what does that look like? Right. Um, so there's a lot of variables at play here, Michelle. There's so many, um, uh, there, there, there's, yeah, it's, to be honest with you, it's, I would say quite hard, you know, very hard to predict, honestly. Um, but what I can safely say is that there's no going back. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, that's, that's the most honest pieces. answer I can give you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of moving pieces. And as you're pointing yeah, out, they all affect each other. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Very tightly coupled. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Taryn. I really appreciate it. Definitely, Michelle. Likewise. Likewise. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again to Taryn for coming on the show. You can find links about Taryn and about Voyage on our Medium publication called Smarter Cars. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.